of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell, and alongside is Blake Watson. And tonight, here on UltimateSportsTalk.com, we will kick back and talk about, I guess for about the next ten weeks, the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. So the big story this week, obviously, has to do with the name change. We talked about it last week. I think, Blake, uh, as I bring you in, Blake Watson, our Reds expert, um, I think we were probably the first people to actually talk about the new name last week on the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about the rumored new name that we were pretty sure was going to be the new name. Um, and then, you know, this week they made it official, and it's been met with some uh, some reservations from some people. They, they're not sure how they feel about it. it you know, so it's, it's either a home run with people or they really don't like it, so... I don't. I don't know. They were kind of in a bad spot. Had to pick something. I'm not sure they picked the right thing, though. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is that they picked it for a couple of statues that are on a bridge that are leading to Progressive Field. And the interesting thing about it is, nobody really knew anything about those statues until this name was picked. So uh, they they've actually uh, brought some publicity to the statues more so than the statues did towards the name being changed, but then it came out yesterday, Blake, that an ironic thing about it is the Cleveland uh, Guardians have been the roller derby team name for Cleveland for the last 20, 25 years, and, uh, but they did not trademark it. That's hilarious. I didn't hear that at all. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, someone in the you know, Indians organization... I guess, like you said, for 10 weeks, Indians organization, um, had to know that, right? Like someone in their, in their meetings had to know that that was a thing, that they were, you know, stealing a, a local ro- roller derby team's yeah. name. It's, it's, I mean, that just shows you how kind of Mickey Mouse that name kind of is. If it's the, if it's the name of a roller derby team, does it really carry the weight to be the name of, you know, one of the, the four major sports and, you know, one of the major players in that market? I, I, th- I mean, again, I don't have anything against the name Guardians. I just think they could have done so much better. Well, and the other thing was somebody pointed out to them during the press conference to the Dolans that uh, the New York Gladiators out of the XFL were the only other uh, – I should uh, – I should say the Guardians, the New York Guardians are the only team out of the XFL to use the Guardians name other than that roller derby team. But the one thing that I thought was fairly evident in that press conference that they held on Friday afternoon was that the Dolans did admit that they were looking at trademarks. And they were trying to make sure that they didn't infringe upon anybody's trademark. And that's why they had to eliminate uh, certain... I guess you would say certain nicknames, 
and they couldn't go with them. But that was one of the things we talked about last week. I, I could almost guarantee that the Dolans were looking for a new way to make money. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, you ha- it has to be something that you can trademark and you can own. So that's, from that perspective, it, you know, from a marketing perspective and a branding perspective, 100% it has to be. Um, the thing that, that I don't really like about the whole situation is if you're going to, and I know we talked about this a little bit last week, if you're going to go through a rebrand, I don't understand why they didn't do a full rebrand. Why? It's the same colors. The uniforms will probably be relatively similar. They're probably not going to change them much. And it's just going to change, you know, the name on the chest and the name on, and the logo on the hat. So I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, partial rebrands is really what this boils down to. You, you know, you, I wish they would have just went the full way and, uh, and changed color schemes, changed everything. Do it all the way. I, I, ironically, here's the thing, and they can literally do this, Blake, with the Indian name scripted across the front of their button up the front uniforms, they can literally only have to change the one side, the right side of that Uniform, D-I-A-N-S is on the left side of the buttons, whereas I-N is scripted on the right side. All they have to do is put in the G-U-A-R on the right side, and they don't even have to go out and buy new uniforms. It's the same thing, and they showed it on on the press conference. They don't even have to go out and buy new uniforms. Just get a seamstress to come in and put G-U-A-R on the right side of the button up the front jersey. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. I mean, talk about saving money. And I yeah, mean, like that's <laughs> that's mind-boggling. Yeah, and it's amazing. I don't like the name Guardians. First of all, okay, here's the one thing about it, and this is, and I'm going to kind of go off on event. Do you remember when the Browns moved to Baltimore? Do you remember that? No, absolutely. Okay. When the Browns moved to Baltimore, the only reason they saved the name was because the Brown fans in Cleveland blew up the fax machines in the NFL office. It was a well-known story. That's the only reason they were able to save the name and the history and get a new team. Nobody in Cleveland ever put together that type of thing to save the Indians' name and to blow up the Major League Baseball um, uh, fax machines or emails or anything. And had that happened, Blake, who knows where we would have been, but if it hadn't happened back in 93 and 94 when the Browns left, the Browns would be in Baltimore. They'd be known as the Baltimore Browns now, not the Ravens. The, in, the Browns probably wouldn't be back in Cleveland, and Cleveland wouldn't have a football team or a new stadium. And that's almost, I, I can almost guarantee all of that happening. And none of that happened during this name change. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like anyone, you, you, you can't, you, you, you don't have the ability anymore to, to stand up against those things because it's been made so political. Um, with the, with especially, you know, the, the Washington football team. Yeah. And then Cleveland Indians and, you know, going back further, you know, in this area, Miami Redskins were chasing Miami Red Hawks. Um, it's such a politicized thing for, for, for valid reasons, right? It's not, it's not 
you know, lost that it's the Indians one kind of bothers me because it's it's not a you know a, a term of negativity. It's not like the Redskins can be determined that you know what I mean. That that one it, it's and, you know the Chief Wahoo thing. I kind of understood getting rid of that, but changing the name of the franchise completely. I wasn't aware that the Indian the, the Cleveland baseball franchise that had multiple names in, in the past. Anyway, I assumed it would all had always been the Indians. Yeah. But I guess they've had they've went through a couple of these things. Um, but it's been it's years hard. and years ago. Yeah, and, and I, I I argued a lot with uh with with a couple of buddies when I was in the Navy about the Browns when that whole thing went down. I think it's so funny. Like the the name I get, I, and I kind of like the name staying with the city as a franchise moves um, in case they have the ability to to you know to start a an expansion team but the history is mind-boggling to me um i used to make fun of my browns fans buddies in the navy all the time like you you guys were an expansion team like they they keep going we got all these super bowls technically you don't i agree i I understand what the what the what they say but you don't that franchise left that franchise does not exist anymore this is an expansion team that just happened to have the same name. I just thought that was hilarious that the NFL and, you know, the, you know, Modell and the Baltimore franchise allowed that to happen. And, and the NFL did. And there were several different ways that they could have done that transaction and it could have turned out the same, but it was a different, different way of getting it done. But nonetheless, you know, I heard a CBS Sports overnight talk show host. And I can't tell you the name of the guy because I woke up in the middle of the night and heard it. And I think I woke up in the middle of the night because I did hear it. And his comment was, as long as there is a small fraction of people that are offended by the name, shouldn't you change it? Well, if you use that ideology, Blake, then I'm sure there are several thousand people in the South that come from Confederate states that absolutely hate the name Yankees. So if you really want to test that out, let's try and change the name of the New York Yankees and see how far that gets with the New York media. Yeah, without a doubt. That's that's. At what point, you know, do we uh, let the, the minority rule the majority? And I don't mean minority as far as, you know, racial, gender, none of that. I mean... Minority of opinion. Yes. Well, you know, we, we live in a, in a country where majority rules. So if, if minority rules, then, you know, we, we have the last few elections would be different, right? Like it's just at what point, you know, you don't want to offend anyone, but it's still people find offense all about everything nowadays. Yes. Um, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you make a decision one way or the other, and you're going to offend someone. I mean, yes. we talk about it all the time with officials in sports, right? You make a, like a close, questionable call. One team's going to be pissed. So should that not happen? Should they not make calls that are questionable because one team's not going to agree with the call when the other one is? It's, it's just asinine to, to allow... You know, a couple of dissenting opinions to make decisions. It just doesn't make sense. 
Well, my whole opinion was that Paul Dolan just, uh, and I've said this, I've joked about it, but it's absolutely true, you can look it up. The only time the name Indians is ever protested against is by seven to ten people that show up on opening day and then they leave. And that's it. That is the extent of the dissent. But for whatever reason, Paul Dolan decided, and, and I can tell you exactly the reason, and people aren't going to want to hear this, but here's what the reasoning is. It gives the Dolan family the opportunity to make more money by changing the name of the team, and now they can sell new shirts, new hats, new uniform tops, new jerseys, new gloves, new sneakers, whatever they want. They'll be getting more money coming in based upon those sales, and then they can turn around and they can sell the team, which is what I think they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about. Um, my guess is, even though they did all that, I bet the franchise value may have went down a little bit because value in a lot of places is, you know, tied to that. To, to the logo, to the trademark, to the the brand of the team. Why are the Yankees worth so much money? Because they're the Yankees. Yes. Same yeah. thing with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys haven't been relevant in football in 15 years, and they're still the most valuable franchise in the NFL. Yes. Because of the star on the helmet, because of the stadium. See, I can see... Where, you know, a rebrand with all of these things could entice some uh, potential um, potential suitors if, if they were to sell the franchise, for sure. Blake, keep this date in mind, and then we'll move forward. 2025, four years from now, is when the Indians' lease at Progressive Field is up. Just keep that date in mind, and don't be surprised if the Indians are sold to a team outside of Cleveland, and the Indians slash Guardians are gone. I'll just finish it out with that. Um, Tito Francona now is the second winningest manager in Cleveland Indians history. Uh, he did that yesterday by sitting home with a cold and wasn't managing the team, but the Indians did manage to beat Tampa Bay yesterday, which moved Francona one victory past Mike Hargrove into the stats of the Cleveland Indians. And he is about 80 wins behind Lou Boudreau as the all-time winningest manager of the Cleveland Indians. That being said, Blake, who's the hottest team in baseball right now? Who is it? Detroit. That's crazy. I know. It is. It's nuts. The Tigers are 47 and 52. They have won six games in a row. That's the most that they have won in a row since 2016, and they are playing some great baseball. They are only six games behind the Indians in second place in the loss column, four games behind in the standings. But the, the, the trade deadline's coming up this week. Now, as far as the trade deadline for the Indians, they're nine games behind the White Sox. When you look at the Reds, Blake, they're six and a half games behind Milwaukee, and just a game and a half in front of St. Louis. So, your opinion. Are the Indians buyers and sell or sellers, and are the Reds buyers or sellers? Because Friday at 4 is the trade deadline. 
it's crazy because I think they're both in really similar situations. Um, I think they could both go either way. They both have pieces that are very desirable for other teams, and they're both close enough to make the playoffs. But they also both need help. Um, so if either one of those teams is going to make the playoffs, it's going to be because they bought the right piece here in the next, you know, four days. Um, what do I think is going to happen? I think the Reds are going to get a bullpen arm. I do. I don't know why I believe that. I, that might be my wishful thinking belief. Um, because, they, you know, they're really, they're also really uh, excited to get, you know, Lucas Sims is going out on a rehab stint starting tomorrow. Um, TJ Anton is supposed to go out on a rehab stint by the end of the week. Nick Senzel is going out on a rehab stint this week. Um, Moustakas isn't that far away. I mean, if, if you're still above water and you can add those four pieces, it, it gives you a shot, right? And if you can add a piece, man, I, I still think it's there for the Reds that, for the taking. The big question mark with the Reds is how bad is Nick Castellanos? That's, that is decides whether or not they're buyers or sellers. The problem with that is if the Reds decide they're sellers, what's their biggest piece? Nick Castellanos. And if he's hurt, he's not a big piece. Right. Um, so it's, it's tough, man. I think, I just don't know what the Reds are gonna, what the Reds have that people would wanna buy other than Nick Castellanos. Winker's not going anywhere. I could see maybe Naquin, um, maybe Aquino. You're not, they're not trading either of their catchers. Nobody wants Jack out of that bullpen. Castillo's, Castillo isn't going anywhere. Gray hasn't been good enough to be wanted, probably. I mean, I think you could get something for him, but not value. And he's still under contract for a couple of years. The, the, the question mark for the Reds is not buyers or sellers. I think it's buyers or Sam Pat, because I don't think they have anything really to sell. Um, and the Indians, it's, I don't know. I, I assume if, you know, if that was any other franchise other than the two Ohio teams who refuse to spend money, um, I think they're buyers for sure. But, you know, with the Dolans running that team, you never know. They might fire sale and get rid of everybody and just start fresh with the Guardians next year. Who knows? Well, that that's the thing that, that I am mostly um, – I'm not afraid of. But there are a couple of pieces that I'd like to see the Indians trade away. One is Cesar Hernandez. Um, I'm, I'm to the point now where I know Cesar Hernandez has had a very, very good year, but it's gotten to the point, Blake, where I think he's outlived his welcome. Obviously, um, for whatever reason, this guy is extremely tired because, uh, his work in the field has really gone down over the past few weeks. And, and at second base, I mean, you, you've got to have, a good second baseman there. And I like the fact that they've got Owen Miller down in the, in the minor leagues that they could bring up. I wouldn't mind seeing Miller come up and playing second base. I also like this guy that they've got, Ernie Clement. Um, Clement, and I'm not kidding you, um, reminds me a lot of Whit Merrifield from Kansas City. I think he's got that kind of talent. Now certainly he's only hitting 232, but that's only in 20 games, and over the past six or seven games, 
he's started to come on, especially with Ramirez not playing third base a lot lately because he's got the sore left elbow. I like this Clement kid. I like the Owen Miller kid that they've got down in the minor leagues. I don't have a problem with them even putting uh, Jimenez at shortstop full-time next year and moving Rosario, telling him to go to the winter leagues and learn how to play center field. I do like him uh, out in center field, and I like his bat in that lineup. Now, all of that being said, I don't know what the Indians are going to do. I mean, the Indians are known for making a big splash trade at the trade deadline. I mean, last year was uh, Fran Mel Reyes, and they got him back. Um, they've done this year after year after year, and I'm not sure what they're going to do this year. Um, it's a case where, you know, everybody panicked. I was watching Facebook yesterday, and the Indians moved Sean Bieber to the 60-day this injured list. I keep calling it the DL, but they moved it to the injured list because that offended evidently disabled people. So they moved it. They moved him to the 60-day injured list, and everybody freaked out. Well, to be honest with you, Blake, the only reason they moved him to the 60-day DL is because it was retroactive back to May, which means on August the 13th, he's available to come off of it. So it really didn't mean anything. Yeah, they just do it to open up a 40-man roster spot. Exactly. So, I mean, Bieber is throwing. Savali is throwing. I mean, when you've got those two pieces coming back into your starting rotation, you've got Plezak, who's not pitching up to his capabilities, but he's only had two starts. And then you've got Tristan McKenzie and Eli Miller that are pitching extremely well. And then you've got Quantrill. I mean, you've got six guys there in your starting rotation right there that have been pitching well. I mean, when you're looking at that, Blake, do you really need to go out and do anything other than maybe get a bat? And I'm not even sure where they would fit a bat right now. The guy that I wanted was Adam Frazier from Pittsburgh, that he could come in and play second base. But the Padres got him today, so that's off the table. And, boy, the Padres... Well, I don't know why they wanted Adam Frazier other than to keep anybody else from getting him, but they didn't. They got a steal out of that guy. Oh my God, yeah. And I mean, he's immediately goes in there. He's your leadoff hitter and one of their, you know, better players. Yeah. Um, Adam Frazier, do you think he's not happy going from Pittsburgh to San Diego? It's oh, just the climate. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention the fact that he's going to one of the most talented teams in all of baseball. Whether they played that way this year or not, they're still have some of the most talent in the, in the in the in the game. If they, you know, once they get into the playoffs, they're going to be a tough, tough out for somebody. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's my thing too. It's like I'm sitting here watching this, you know, the potential trade guys, and I just don't really see somebody that I'm like, yeah, I want the Reds to go get that guy. I don't. I, I haven't seen like, sure, Trevor Story or somebody like that is fine, but. I don't see the guy that comes in and makes the giant impact that the Reds need to catch the Brewers. What the Reds need to catch the Brewers is to get healthy. 100%, the Reds get healthy. I still think, now, they may not catch him, but I still think top to bottom, 1 through 25, they're a better baseball team than the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, it's just, they got to stop giving games away. And, you know, and I think that starts with adding a bullpen arm then adding Sims, then adding Anton, and then getting Lorenzo back at some point. 
Um, I think you're, if you're able to do those things, I think the Reds will still give them a shot, themselves a shot to maybe even be a wild card in the National League. I just don't see the splash trade that the Reds are going to make to make them that much better this year. What I would love to see is if they could find a way to trade for someone who's a good player, maybe not like a top, top-tier player, but has multiple years of control. That would be the perfect scenario. The, the guy you mentioned from Kansas City, if they could find a way to swing for a player of the caliber of a Whit Merrifield. It's just a really, really, really good baseball player. He's never going to be a superstar in any any team. But he's a really, really, really good winning baseball player. You find a guy like that that you can keep around for a couple years because he's not going to command Nick Castellanos type money. Um, that's that's the, the trade that would interest me the most. Um, but then again, I don't know where a guy like that plays for the Reds. So, because you're not... Uh, Whit Merrifield's very, very, very good, but when he's healthy, I still would rather play Jonathan India right now. Um, just because of the upside, um, Jonathan India is, you know, the fact that he's not being talked about more for rookie of the year stuff is mind-boggling to me. Um, I guess probably just because the power numbers aren't there, but you realize Jonathan India got on base at a 506 clip through the first three and a half weeks of July? Yeah, I mean, Jonathan India has been a find for the Reds. And the only way a Merrifield uh, deal with the Reds makes sense is if you're going to move India to shortstop. Merrifield right. can play second, he can play right, he can play left. He's not a center fielder. Correct. Or or if, or if in that deal is maybe, you know, you dump Suarez's contract or Moustakis's contract, and then one of the two can play third. Right. Um, whether that's India or uh, or Merrifield, because I think he could probably play third, too. Do you think um, there's really- any, any discussion amongst the Reds? I mean, every time I see... You know, before the game, during the game, after the game, Senzel taking grounders at short. Do you think there is any possibility that they're going to bring Senzel back and have him play short? Absolutely. Boy, that's gutsy. I don't think it's going to be an everyday Nick Senzel's a shortstop thing. I think Nick Senzel is going to come back and play four out of seven games, and all four are going to be at a different position. I think that's what you're going to see, at least for the rest of this year. Um, you'll see Nixon will play second, he'll play third, he'll play short, he'll play center, he'll play a corner. He'll play all over the diamond and just be in the lineup four out of seven, four or five out of seven games. Yeah, I'm going to say something that's going to upset Reds fans and probably upset you. But I've watched Suarez now over the last year and a half. I think his bat has slowed down tremendously. And I don't think he's ever going to get back to the caliber of player that he was uh, prior to the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you would say that for sure. Like, that doesn't, that's not something that sounds crazy. I just don't understand why. Typically, when that, something like that happens, right, it's because the guy's getting older, or he had a bad injury, or something along those lines. You can't tie any of those things to Suarez. None of that has happened for him. He hasn't had a bad shoulder injury. He hasn't had a bad wrist injury. He hasn't had anything like that, and he's still only, what, 29, maybe? I don't know exactly how old Andy Suarez but he's not old by any stretch of imagination. Um, so I just I, I see what you're saying, and I can't disagree completely, but it just doesn't make sense, right? It's just, why? Um, guys yeah, just lose just it. 30. They just lose it. 
Yeah, I mean, but typically not when they're 30, though. Like, it doesn't typically happen coming off a 49-home run season. And then the COVID year, I mean, I'm not saying I think he's ever he's going to return to form. I don't know that. But it's just a weird scenario. I mean, the last full season before this, the guy hit 49 home runs and did 265 through 70. It just doesn't make sense. Blake, there's, there's another thing that bothers me, and I saw it yesterday in the ninth inning of the Reds game with the Cardinals. I just don't see the camaraderie on this team. I don't see the family-type atmosphere. And and I'm going to tell you why. I saw Stevenson uh, get crossed up yesterday on a pitch in the ninth inning, and he went back to the backstop, got the ball, flipped it to the umpire, called timeout, and walked out to talk to Hembry. And when he got out to the mound, they kind of jawed at each other for a little bit. And with the cameras on the both of them, Hembry looked at him as, as Stevenson walked away and shook his head. And Stevenson rolled his eyes as he turned around and walked back towards home plate. There just seems to me, Blake, and I've seen this, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it, but there just doesn't seem to be that cohesive atmosphere that the Reds have got on this team this year. Your thoughts? Uh, it depends on what week you ask me. Um, <laughs> when, they're, when they're playing well, it seems like they love each other. They're doing their scooter gang stuff, and, you know, you see pitchers jawing at each other like in a good way, talking a little bit. And it's But when it's bad, it's bad. I mean, I think that's what happens when you've got a, this many guys with big personalities. And the biggest thing is they're not, they, they are three of their last nine they've won. Um, against, in games they could have won. It's, you know, if you go back and look at each of those games, I bet the Reds easily could have went six and three instead of three and six over the last nine games if the bullpen didn't suck. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I think it's more a product of playing bad baseball than it is a product of the team not getting along because when they're playing well they seem to love each other and the other thing that matters is their their heartbeat their you know their vocal leader is not playing Nick Senzel is or not Nick Senzel Nick Castellanos had become the the kind of the the heartbeat the heart and soul the the attitude the intensity of that team and you lose that it's not good. Um, I don't care how good the rest of the roster is. If you lose your guy that kind of leads you into the fire, your first into the foxhole, you know, last guy to leave the park kind of dude, and that's who Nick Senzel is, um, it's really difficult to overcome that. So I think it's more a a product of what's going on around them than it is the actual team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, here, here's the situation between the two, and it's amazing how – almost simpatico, the Reds and the Indians are right now this year. The Indians are 49-48, and 48, and they are five games out of the wild card spot. For the Reds, they are 51-48, and 48, two more wins than the Indians have got, and they are five and a half games out of the wild card position. So when you talked earlier about, well, I don't know, you could, you could consider them buyers, you could consider them sellers, when you said that earlier, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, these two teams, it, it's hard telling what's going to happen over this next week. 
Yeah, I mean, I think too the Reds little stuff that they do drives me nuts. Like I don't understand. You know, you get Suarez the day off yesterday, which we needed. Um, but you play Mike Freeman at third base. <laughs> Why is Alejo Lopez not playing third base? Like, what are we doing? And they just, was they he still was he still on the ro- was he still on the roster yesterday, Blake? They brought him back up either yesterday or Saturday. They literally just sent him back down today. Was it today? Okay, I didn't know if it was before the game yesterday or today. They sent him back down today to, to reactivate Amir Garrett, um, which should have just sent Amir Garrett to the minors. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, they should have left him on paternity leave for a little while longer. They, yeah, they should have. I didn't realize it was paternity leave. I didn't have, I'm so not concerned with what Amir Garrett is doing with his life right now that I didn't know he was doing anything. Um, I just assumed they weren't pitching him because he sucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, yesterday's game got away from worst start of Sonny Gray's career. That's not going to happen every time out, obviously. But it's it's just whichever team makes the bigger splash at the deadline, I think, is the one that that has the better season at the end. I think, though, we might be just looking at two mediocre baseball teams. Like, yeah. I think that just might be what they are. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think the Indians right now are looking at some of their youth. Um, you know, they've been they've been playing uh, Ramirez out in right or out in left field uh, since Rosario has been on the injured list, but he's going to be coming back in the next few days. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I look at this Blake, and if I'm looking at both teams, I know Castellanos is hurt. But when I look at the Indians, I just mentioned that uh, uh, Rosario is coming back. Bieber, Savali are coming back. If the Reds don't do anything, I've got a feeling that the Indians have got a better shot at the playoffs than the Reds do with the players they've got coming back. I think, I, But, see, I think it's both of them. I think they both have their, like... For, for the Indians, it's more obviously pitching that's coming back, but the Reds, you know, okay, Sims, Anton, Lorenzen, uh, Senzel, Moustakis. That's five dudes who all make a dramatic impact on winning and losing baseball games. Uh, if you get those five guys, if you had those three bullpen arms healthy all year long, the Reds have five, six more wins right now. Um so I, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree, but I don't disagree. Um, it's I, I could see either team running running off ten wins in a row, and I could see either team losing ten in a row. They're just yeah. They both have pretty serious strengths. Like for the Indians, when healthy, it's without a doubt the starting pitching. For the Reds, when healthy, it's without a doubt the lineup, and they both have pretty glaring holes all over the field. I mean, uh, the the. Indians, you know, have some pretty glaring holes offensively. The Reds have some really glaring holes in the bullpen. Um, it's it's just weird, man. They're they have they're having very similar seasons, although being built completely differently. If Colorado comes knocking at the Reds' door and says, "You can have Story for Hunter Green," no which, chance. You know that's going to be part of it. No, he's not good enough. There's, he's not, he's not good. If he was a year and a, 
if this was a year ago, we're talking about Francisco Lindor for a year and a half. Absolutely, I do it. But but you also had Bauer at that point. I thought the Reds were closer to. I think they might be a little closer to making the playoffs right now than they were at that point then. But they were closer to winning a World Series then than they are now because the pitching staff was so much better. Um, no, I, I, there's no chance. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Austin Hendrick, and the, the couple first rounders from this year are not a part of those deals. Just can't be. You know, it's interesting though, you just brought up Trevor Bauer, and I read an article this morning that said that, um, privately, the Dodger teammates of Bauer are saying they, they, they want the front office to either cut him or trade him. They, they don't want him coming back on the team, and that's quite a difference from what was almost, well, just a little bit over a month ago. As far as the Dodgers, he was one of the most uh, popular Dodgers, Blake, that you could have. And now this whole situation has turned to what it appears his entire team against him. Well, it's turned a lot more than his team against him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Trevor Bauer's career is probably over. It, it is what it is. He's They can trade him or cut him, but he's, he's probably, barring some crazy legal stuff, He's likely never going to throw a pitch in the big leagues again. Um, so they w- wouldn't be concerned about it other than the fact that unless they do something with him, they, they are paying him probably right now. Um, but, you know, they're going to find cause to terminate that contract and not, you know, be able to pay him because he's going to be suspended from baseball for a long period of time. It just is what it is. Um, doesn't surprise me. Being, you know, in the culture that we live in, obviously you can't do the things that he's accused of doing. Um, it's, it's sad for all involved with that one, but it's, it's, there, no one's going to trade for him right now either. No, no. one. No. The Florence Freedom wouldn't trade for him right now. No, and, and, you know, it, uh, I believe it's tomorrow. Let me look at my calendar here, but I believe it, yeah, it is. It's tomorrow. That his uh, extended suspension is up, and Major League Baseball is going to have to make a decision. And I got a feeling, Blake, that the union will come calling if they extend it past the trade deadline. You got to believe that the union's going to step in and say, "Wait a minute, you can't do that because it's going to give him the opportunity to be traded." No, I don't think there's. A, I don't think the union is going to stand up for Trevor Bauer. Don't think it's going to happen. It's not a hill to die on. I, I don't know. I, you know, if he wins this in court, which Trevor's just the type of guy that would take it to court, um, if he wins, Major League Baseball's caught between a rock and a hard place. A hundred percent. If he and if he wins and is cleared of all charges, then they don't have a choice. They cannot continue to, to punish him for something he was cleared of legally. Um, then they're then they're putting themselves in a position. To get sued and lose big time, but until that, until it is played all the way out in court, which if it if this goes all the way to court the way it, it, our court system works, you're talking about it won't be, it won't be finished for a year or two. Oh, well, um, yeah, if then, <laughs> right? That's just the way it is. And if he settles it out of court, then they probably don't have to allow him to play again. Yeah. Um, because, you know, typically to settle for those kinds of things out of court, you have to admit some sort of guilt. Um, 
I don't think I really don't believe Trevor Bauer ever played professional baseball game. Yeah, I I disagree. I think he will. I just don't think it's going to be in Los Angeles. Um, and again, it's all going to depend upon uh, the court hearing, and we'll see what happens when and if that ever does happen. But you know, Blake, I mean, you you look at what's going on. Do you, do you expect a lot of movement this week? I, I things that I've read say that people are expecting a flurry of action. Um, but then, you know, the way it's, it's, it's trickled out a lot more than it has in years past with more higher profile guys being traded earlier than the deadline. Typically everything happens on Friday, right? That's typically when it happens. Everybody makes their moves that day. Um, nobody makes them early. The fact that Adam Frazier was traded yesterday, it, it leads me to believe it's going to be one extreme or the other. It's either going to be crazy movement or none. Um, and there's so many teams that, with the extended playoff or expanded playoffs, I know it's not expanded the way it was last year, but it's still, you know, expanded a little bit. There's so yeah. many teams that are still, you know, quote unquote in it that there's not as many teams selling as there used to be. So there's just I don't, there's not as many guys to go out and get that are that are you know markedly better than players you have. I think you'll see Star, Sterling Marte move. Um, I think you'll probably see Adam Duvall move from Miami. Um, I think you'll see Chris Bryant move. Um, I don't know how Trevor Story. I still don't know. I just don't know where the market is for him. Um, I, I think Trevor Story is going to end up with the Yankees. I think if if the Cubs get rid of Chris Bryant, they keep Rizzo. If they get rid of Rizzo, they keep Chris Bryant. Now, I don't think there's a chance in hell the Cubs keep Chris Bryant. I don't think it matters what they do with Rizzo. Um, did you see what Javier Baez thinks he's going to get? Yeah, in two, free? yeah, two hundred million over five years. He's absolutely. He's hitting one fifty something or something crazy like that. He's nuts. He's, like, well, I don't understand. Like, he thinks he's Mike Trout. Like, yeah. what are you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm looking up his stats right now because that that was yeah he's hitting okay he's up to 242, but dude you're hitting 240. Yeah, stop. The night the night I was at Wrigley Field watching the Indians play, uh, David Ross pulled him out of the ball game because with one out and a fly ball to left field, he thought there was two outs and ran around second and got doubled up off of first base and immediately Ross pulled him out of the ball game. And told him basically, if you don't get your head out of the, uh, you know, you're not going to play anymore. And that's well, the way Baez has been all year. That's the way he's been his whole career. Yeah, he, he's, he's that guy that shows up on ESPN and he's all splash or all style, no substance. Yeah, um, it's just how he plays the game, and it's fun to watch in short periods. I would not want that guy playing shortstop for my franchise. No, but that's another one. Does he get moved? I think. I don't know, man. It's just it's crazy to think of what other big name possible movers are there. So, Joey Gallo, maybe. Um, I think I don't, know, I don't know where he fits. I think Rizzo, and I'm looking this up right now, but I think Rizzo is a ten year player. 
And I'm pretty sure Rizzo has ten and five rights. Uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh nope, he doesn't. He and not until the end of the year. Um then he's got the ten year rights with the Cubs. Um so he could pick and choose where he wants to go, unless he's got a clause in that contract that he signed a few years ago. I think the only place he ever wants to go is Boston. If he's not going to Boston, I don't think he's leaving Chicago. I would agree with that for sure. That that would be the only thing. I think there are two guys I think could possibly end up with the Mets. Max Scherzer and Chris Bryant. Uh, yeah, I could see either of those happening for sure. Um, I don't think Max Scherzer is traded to an NL East team. I don't think so, but it's possible. Um, well, if Washington's out of it and he's he's a free agent at the end of the year, what difference does it make? That's true. Um, but you trade into the Mets and you know they've got the money to resign. Exactly. Yeah, that that's true. Also, you know, and that that's a thing. You, if you're the Mets, Blake, can you go? I mean, can you last the rest of the year not knowing if Jacob Degrom is going to be available every time he wants to pitch? Yeah, I don't think that's maybe to me the worst division of baseball right now. Um, yeah, I, you know, we just watched the Mets for three games and they beat the Reds up, but. They, they're not very good. Like, I don't understand how, how that team is leading a division in, in Major League Baseball right now, other than the fact that the second-best team in that division is the Phillies, and I think they're pretty bad. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you look if you look at the Mets' record right now, it's 52-44. and 44. That is the worst – that is the worst record amongst any – Division leading team, 52 and 44. As a matter of fact, they've got a worse record than the Dodgers and the Padres. And on top of that, Blake, they're only actually one game above where the Reds are right now, and they're leading the National League East. Yeah, I mean, and there's only one other team in that division above 500. Yeah. Um, I still think, you know, if they were healthy, Acuna was healthy, the Braves are still the best team in that division. Um, most talented team in that division, but, you know, that doesn't always bear fruit, even, especially when you lose your best player right. to the catastrophic injury. It's, it's weird to think about, man. I still, I don't think the NL Central is over by any stretch of imagination. I could still see any, if the Cubs don't make any moves, I still see a world that they could get back in it. They're only two games left for 500. I mean, it's mind-boggling to look at this season right now and see what's going to happen. Well, the Reds are going to be in Chicago over the next three nights, actually the next four days. They've got three night games tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday night, and then an afternoon game on Saturday. The Indians are going to be in St. Louis or I'm sorry, at home against St. Louis tomorrow, and then an afternoon game on Wednesday, then they're off Thursday. Then the Indians are going to Chicago to take on the White Sox. Now, unfortunately, that game against the White Sox is after the trade deadline. So no matter what they do against the White Sox this weekend, there's no trade deadline anymore. After those three games, so they're not—they're going to have to project where they're going to finish if they're going to make any trades heading into the White Sox series. And then the Reds—we've already talked about—they're going to be in New York over the weekend to take on the Mets. 
Do you think the White Sox do anything? You know, I almost think they've got to. They are, they are so injured, so banged up right now. They that, did they did activate Eloy Jimenez. That helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they've got. You know, I, I'll tell you one thing. I you talk about camaraderie. I don't think there's a lot of camaraderie there between Tony Larusa and that team. Um, I think they respect Larusa. I don't think they like him, and I don't think they want him as a manager. That being said, um, I think they've got more than enough talent to win this division. But I don't know if you know. I picked them to win the American League. I, I've got to back off of that right now. I don't think they've got the impetus to win the American League. I think that's a spot where if Max Scherzer goes, Max Scherzer could turn that team into a World Series champions level team. He could. Yeah, you're right. He could. If, I, if I'm the White Sox, I, I'm ready. To, I go out and get Max Scherzer. That's what I'm looking for. That's the only thing I want. You know who Max Scherzer reminds me of? Jack Morris. Oh, yeah. Bulldog. Yep. Just give me the ball, leave me alone, let me pitch. Yep. Give me it and get that out of my way. Yep. Yep. Just don't come out here to get me. Just leave me alone. I'll 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 win this game for you. And Love and that's it. the way that's the way Max Scherzer has always been. Yep. And that's why I say toughest nails. Yeah, if if I'm if I'm the if I'm the Mets, I gotta I gotta go ahead. You've already mortgaged your future for Lindor, but I've gotta go ahead and get it. This is your time. Go get a pitcher that's going to, you know, you if you go ahead and you sign, even sign Scherzer at the end of the year, my God, look at that rotation that they'll have going into next year if DeGrom is healthy. I still think there's something wrong with DeGrom's arm. Yeah, I agree, but I think, I think they're a year away. Um, I think next year will be the year the Mets really go for it. I could see a world where in the offseason the Mets sign Max Scherzer to a year or two with a lot of money. And a guy that I know really well, um, Nick Castellanos or something like that, um, to, to solidify that team. And you put those two guys with what the Mets currently have, that team is World Series good. Yeah. Well, the, the rumor is that Chris Bryant wants to go there. And he also, <laughs> or Philadelphia, one or the other. I think either one of those spots would be I think Bryant probably fits better in Philly, um, but I think it's more likely that he ends up in New York. I, I agree with you. So, at the end of the day, do you expect the Reds to make any moves? I do. I think they'll add at least a bullpen arm. Um, it might not be a top-tier guy that we're all thinking about, um, but neither was Archie Bradley last year, and he ended up being pretty good for the Reds. So I see, a, I see them adding at least one legitimate veteran bullpen arm. I see the Indians making a move, but I don't see it being a blockbuster move. And to tell you what kind of a move it would be, Blake, I would be lying if I even tried to guess. Um, they could go out and get a starting pitcher. They could go out and I, I think the, the guy the guy on the needle right now is Cesar Hernandez. I, I really believe that they would if they're going to trade anybody, it will be Cesar Hernandez, and we'll talk more about it next Monday night. Okay? Sounds good, Dave. Thank you, buddy. All right, that's going to do it for this week. 
Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week to talk again about the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians and the Cincinnati Reds. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Join us again next Monday night. Have a good night, everybody.